Um, so this is about a six Tongan boys that they stole a boat uh, in the middle of the night to go to Australia, but they didn't have any idea of maps, of boats, of sailing, and they end up without without sails, without the rudder, and without food. They got adrift for eight days, and they were so lucky to see this island. Uh, they were smashed against the rocks, so they have to swim ashore. And then they have to stay on this island for 50 months, surviving from coconuts, seabirds. And uh, after 50 months, uh, an Australian fishing boat found them. They brought them back to, to, to civilization. The first thing they have to do, came back home, is to stay in prison for one week because they stole that boat 15 months before. This story wasn't wasn't well known in in, in Europe, and uh, an Australian friend told me this story many years ago. The man getting up to speed is Alvaro Cerezo, and it's important for me to mention that that's not where the story ends, but instead it's where Alvaro steps in. His job? Taking willing participants to deserted islands and giving them the full castaway experience. New York Times described him as a Spaniard with an unslackable wanderlust, with a sun-bleached man bun, who's dedicated his life to exploring the remotest islands on Earth. It's pretty hard to find anyone who knows more about castaways than Alvaro. But every now and again the tables turn, as he finds himself the novice out of the company he keeps. That's what happened when he finally tracked down Kolo Fakatoa, one of the six boys who were cast away for 15 months on the Atta Island in 1965. I didn't have much information about them. I just knew about they were from Tonga. So I went there and... Uh, Asking, asking, asking everyone. There are a few bars, there are a few restaurants, and there are hotels, people in the street. And I was really lucky because after three weeks searching for, for them, it, it was really funny. His neighbors knew about Call of Guitar, but they didn't know he was a real castaway. So I remember once I found him, I was really surprised. No one knew, everyone was wondering why I was every day at his, at his house going there. They were wondering why a white guy is coming every day you know, to spend time with Colo. It's like, Colo, I came to see you, <laughs> you don't know, I made such a long trip to find you, and he was really shocked. He is a very lovely person, really lovely guy, uh, always making jokes, always... I mean, yeah, for, for sure he was surprised and he really liked no, that the, the, to talk about his story. No, He really enjoyed it because no one asked him about that. And it was very nice. It was very nice. It's, it, we started with questions. We started with uh, talking about the, his experience. Then I found out that he was sick. Alvaro found out that Colo had cancer and was at times bedridden. He decided to stay and visit him every day for the time he was in Tonga and learn what he could. Sometimes he feel better. I was laying, I was sitting down in his bedroom all day long. He was uh, laying down on the bed, talking, talking, talking about his experience. I mean, it was really nice. Uh, I got him a guitar. He he could play. He remembered the lyrics and he could play this song that he was that he composed on the island. It was really beautiful. <laughs> I 
I went there with the with the book. I mean, with all the ideas, with all I, I, we we went through the whole book from the beginning until the end. It's, he was explaining things uh, that I couldn't I couldn't understand because I wasn't on the island. This is when I say it would be so nice to be on the island so you can explain me from there. No? Then it's like he's he changed his face, no? He, he smiled like, uh, like uh, would you like to go to the island? I said, of course I would love to. I mean, but you are sick. If I become good, I will go with you. We will go together. And I show you. That's why I stay for I stay six months in Tonga. While he waited, he began trying to find a boat that would take them to the island, all whilst hoping Kolo would soon feel well enough to make the journey. There's not many fishing boats that they want to go to to Ata because it's a very dangerous landing. So many of them told me, no, no, I don't dare to go there. It's very dangerous. Last year, someone died there. The year before, another person died trying to land on the island. And it's really remote. And uh, and oh, they say, if you want to go there, you might want $10,000, you know. Finally, Alvaro found a boat to get them to the island. Soon it was just the two of them, alone on Atar Island, for 10 days, living out both of their dreams, one visiting and one returning to the island one last time. Our idea was to leave in the same places that they lived in the past. They live in three different locations. First, it was near the beach, because they just arrived. They thought maybe a boat was gonna come soon. Then they would start like, in the middle way between the top and the, and, the, and the bottom. They found a cave. So they stay in the cave for a few more weeks, or three months down, one more month in the middle, and then at the end, they stay the rest of the time on top. Uh, so we try to do the same no, as they did. The stud beach where they live for the first time is in the opposite side of the island, so you have to walk the whole island. And you don't know how difficult it is to walk that island. It's only rocks, huge rocks. It's not a beach like you're walking on the beach on the rocks, no. You are, they are like huge stones, boulders, you know, like you need to climb, climbing up, down, up, down. He was really excited. He was going really fast. He was much faster than me. And, uh, and I, I arrived maybe one hour after him. No? And I, I, he told me, I see you at the end of the island. You know the location. I will, I will meet you there. No? So I, I arrived one, one hour later. When I arrived with all the bags, completely exhausted, I fainted on the floor. He was already with birds, already cooking. And, and eating birds. <laughs> he was he will have already hunted birds, I mean the seabirds, and he was already cooking them. So <laughs> and I was like like Colo, what are you doing? I took I took the camera quickly. I say, Colo, what are you doing? And I say, You're already eating. Very serious, and eh? now making you like I was hungry. It becomes obvious pretty quickly that Alvaro is in his element taking in everything he can from Kolo and experiencing a slice of the isolation that the six boys would have felt for over a year. Being with Kolo on that island, I could really feel the, the, the remoteness and I could really feel how uh, stranded they were. The feeling of being alone is what really fascinates me. And that, that's why I think it was the best experience of my life. Because I am normally on desert islands 
remote islands, but not as remote as Atata is one of the most remote I, I have spent time in. So being in such a remote island, it's not a typical paradise island actually. I mean, there's no white sandy beach, or, but it's beautiful. And, and being, being the only one on the island and being with Colo, that he was a real castaway. He was explaining everything. We were living exactly how he lived. Oh, this wood bow make a fire. This is the first place where we try to get fire and we have the best fire in here. Okay. This kita make it with a shell of a coconut and a piece of timber and this is a string. That's a wire found it from the boat from the beach. And the timber? Where did you find that? The timber? timber from the boat. From the wreck? Yeah. And what is that? And that's it's the key. That's a little piece of wood. And it's possible yeah. to make it more tight? Yeah. I could feel that isolation mm, even more than in other experiences. So that's why I think that experience was was unbeatable. I mean, I don't think I would ever be able to repeat something like that. Unfortunately, a few years after their journey, Kolo, at the age of 71, passed away. They, they called me some relatives and they told me that he finally passed away, yeah. So it's a pity because I, could, I wanted to show the story to him. As soon as I finished the experience, I, when I came back to the capital, I went to, the, to my house that I was renting and I started editing, quickly editing a, a video, like a summary of our experience. So he could also understand what I had been recording because he, he doesn't know why I was having a camera all the time. No? I asked permission. Call, I'm gonna, I think this is an amazing document. I should record it. Please allow me. Let me do it. Use this for YouTube or for whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, but I wanted to show the results to him so he would feel proud as well. And also I wanted to show to her daughter. Uh, I have a video of the farewell, actually, when I say bye-bye. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, was, how long it was going to last. Maybe he, he recovered. I mean, I knew he had a cancer, but sometimes, you know, the, the cancer people can last for 10 years, 10 more years. So, Colo, I see you again, no? <laughs> I will come to Tonga, so I promise I come to Tonga. Sooner or later, I come back and see you, okay? So, uh, he didn't wait, so... The story of the six boys resurfaced again earlier this year, being marketed by many as the real-life Lord of the Flies. ...about what happened to half a dozen Tongan teenagers living in a remote mm -hmm. island on the South Pacific when they decided uh, one night to escape from a school that found themselves in a storm, shipwrecked, and far from any sort of Lord of the Flies scenario where they ripped themselves mm -hmm. apart, they lived cooperatively, they cared for each other, and when they were eventually discovered, they were in very good shape. It's a Many outlets used archival footage of the documentary from the Australian Channel 7, created by the man who discovered them on the island, Peter Warner. From a cliff-front lookout, they retained a constant vigil. They gave up hopes of escaping from Atta. 
After a few months, we get the fire and we build a thorn house. No one's the thing that we're still alive. Uh, I saw a burned out patch across the cliff through the field glasses, so we went in to take a closer look. And as we got closer, we found one of the boys who had been keeping lookout waving to us from the rocks. Rather frightening sight, so we loaded our rifles <laughs> and he crawled up over the side and he addressed me in perfect English and said, we are castaways. The story was used as an allegory by historians such as Rutger Bergman, in a way to disprove the idea such as the veneer theory. From this old idea that civilization is only a thin veneer, and that as soon as something happens, an earthquake or a disaster or, you know, a pandemic, that we reveal our true selfish self. I'm just saying that if millions of people around the globe still have to read Lord of the Flies in school, right, and they often become quite pessimistic and cynical, um, I'm just saying that let's let's also tell them about the, the one time that we know of in world history that real kids shipwrecked on a real island and, you know, they lived there for 15 months, they cooperated really well, and they became the best of friends. I bring up the Lord of the Flies parallel to Alvaro. Yes, but <clears throat> there is a difference uh, between uh, this story of the uh, Lord of the Flies and, 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 and the other castaways. Uh, in Ata Island, uh, there was plenty of food, plenty of water, because there's plenty of coconuts. Uh, there's a lot of space. Uh, it's nice weather. Uh, surviving is not that difficult. It's, uh, I don't know, you, you, you see the coconuts, you can survive. Fishing wasn't that too difficult. And the birds, there were so many birds and you just have to hit them with a stick. So, when there is no competition, you know, you don't have a reason to fight. So this kind of situation kind of, is different, you know. The, in this island, it was a real paradise, you know. So there was no many reasons, no much reasons to fight. I mean, just, it was just normal quarrels, you know, like, like, like teenagers. So, so that's the big difference, you know. It depends on the, on the sources, you know. In this island, it was plenty. Listening to what Alvaro has to say on the matter of resources on the Atar island, it would seem the allegory of the six boys on the island is dependent solely on the idea of resources being infinite. It's interesting to think what could happen on an island if resources were limited. There are many other stories, castaway stories. For example, in New Zealand there was a very interesting story about the, the, the Rosé Noel, the capsize, and they have to leave, like, like there were few people leaving in, in a really tiny space inside the boat because it was capsized, you know, and they were killing each other in such a small space, you know, they have to leave touching body to body, you know. Whilst the rebranding of the story was used by some outlets in an attempt to show a feel-good story amidst a pandemic, the reality of the story is more poignant than first expected. In a time of climate change and coronavirus, concerns over vaccine shortages and at-risk global food crops if we replace our island in the story with a planet, it only reaffirms what we already know. Everything is great while resources are abundant, until they aren't.